Today we continue in our series uh, called Grace Wins. And what we're doing is we're walking through the book of Romans. Uh, and, and what we're seeing is a very deep theological book. Actually, it was, it, it's a deep theological letter. Uh, originally, Romans is a, a letter written from the Apostle Paul to the Christians in Rome. And it's uh, to encourage them and to teach them, because Paul had never been there before. And so what we've seen is a very deep, in-depth look at the gospel, and then also at the law. If you were here last week, uh, you knew, and, or you know, that Paul held back absolutely no punches. Uh, last week was a little brutal. Uh, he showed us how all of us suppress the knowledge of the truth. There's areas in our, our life where we suppress God's truth. He showed us how we live as hypocrites. He showed, he showed us how we can't compare to other people because that's going to get us nowhere with God. And Paul says all of this brings about the wrath of God. And it was not a very fun, probably 20 minutes, uh, during the sermon. But what do we see at the end? Grace wins. Because through Jesus, we receive grace. God's undeserved, unconditional love as He sent Jesus to be our wrath-absorbing sacrifice. And we love that about God, don't we? We love that God is a forgiving God, that He is loving, that He is compassionate, that He is gracious. We love it until we don't. Until that person betrayed us. Until that person bullied one of our family members. Then we want God to be a just God. Then we don't want God to be forgiving. We want that person to pay for what they did. And so we look at God and we say, how, how do we reconcile this, God? What do we make of this? How are you both forgiving and how are you just? How can you be both at the same time? Because if you're a forgiving God, doesn't that mean that you let all these sins go unpunished? Shouldn't that person pay for what they did? And so in that moment, when we look at that, we, we say, well, I want to be forgiven, but I don't want others to be forgiven. But if he's only a just God, then what does that mean about my sins? Then does that mean that I take punishment? So how do we marry these two in God? How do these two coexist with God? How is He just? How is He forgiving? And how do we love and respect Him because of it? Paul tells us exactly how. He answers all of these questions in Romans chapter 3. Last week, we finished with Romans 10, or 2 verse 10. Uh, and to be honest with you, if you thought that was a bad section of law, Paul continues through the rest of chapter 2 and the first 20 verses of chapter 3 with the law, just, just telling people how they cannot stand on their own before God. And Paul says, you can't look at the law and earn heaven. You can't. You can't become right with God because of that. And now we get to Romans chapter 3, verse 21. And here's what Paul says. But now... Apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. But now, Paul says, apart from the law, apart from doing good things, 
righteousness from God has been revealed, has been made known. What is righteousness? A very common definition is perfection, and that's true. But righteousness is being right with God. And so let's take uh, some examples from everyday life to see how, how we see this all around us, what righteousness is. The athlete who knows that a tryout is coming, what does he or she do? She practices. She practices. He hones his skills and he gets ready. And then the tryouts come and what do the coaches do? They, they put them through a bunch of drills to see if their skills are right for the position that they're trying out for. Do you fit this position? We do this with college applications and job uh, interviews. We fill out an application, we turn it in, we show all the reasons why they should let us in, why they should give us the job, and then we go to the interview and they ask us a bunch of, a bunch of questions trying to determine if we are right for the school or right for the job. We even do this in the dating world. For those of you who are married, maybe you can remember back to your first date. For those of you who are still dating, you can relate to this, I'm sure. When you go on that first date, guys, what do you do? You clean up, right? You take a shower, brush your teeth probably, you put on nicer clothes than you normally wear, you work on your jokes, you work on your manners. Uh, why? Because you want to prove to her that you are the right one. Women, you do the same thing. You put on nice clothes, you put on makeup, you put on perfume, you prepare yourself to laugh at dumb jokes, uh, and you do laugh at them. Why? Because you want to prove that you are right for him. What do all these things have in common? It's something that we do to prepare ourselves to be right for the position, for the person, for whatever. That's what righteousness is. It's being right with someone. And we even bring in this mindset into our relationship with God, right? We come before Him and we say, we're going to clean ourselves up, God, so that we can prove that we are right to be called your child, so that we can prove that we are right for heaven. And so what do we do? We clean up our language. We calm down on our drinking. We try to get a hold of our judgmental attitudes and our gossip-filled lives, all in effort to prove to God that we are right. But we may be able to trick others, but not God. God sees through our hearts, and He sees that our hearts are sloppy. They are a mess. They are filled with sin. And God says, you outwardly look like you're right, but you're not. You aren't right for the position. You aren't right to be called my child. You aren't right to be called an heir of heaven. And that's what makes this verse so beautiful. This is what makes it so comforting. Because look at what Paul says. Apart from the law. In other words, apart from what you have to do, it's apart from you doing anything. The righteousness of God has been made known. You can be right with God apart from your actions. Apart from what you do or don't do. And Paul says, this is not new news. 
The Law and the Prophets, the Old Testament testifies about this. The Old Testament talks about this too. And so what is it? How is the righteousness of God revealed? The righteousness, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. We wonder how can God be loving and how can He be just? Well, first, God, God's love is revealed through Jesus. God's love is revealed through Jesus. Jesus is the only one who could be called right with God. Jesus is the only one who came to this earth uh, as God and lived, and God looked at him and said, you are right to be called my child. You are right to be an heir of heaven. You've earned it. You deserve it. And Jesus took that decree and made it yours. He made you righteous. There's a story of best friends, Tom and Frank. They had been best friends since they were in preschool, and now they were getting ready to end fourth grade. And, and Tom was a math wizard. Uh, math just came easy to him. He aced everything. Uh, he was a perfect student in math. Frank, on the other hand, struggled with math. In fact, the teacher approached him uh, with just a couple weeks left in the, the school year and said, Frank, I've got some bad news. On that final test that we're going to take, you need to get a C or better to move on to fifth grade. And so they go into the test. Tom gets done in 20 minutes, aced it. They get to recess, he goes up to Frank and says, how'd, how'd you do? And Frank said, not good. I left half of them blank, and the other ones I know I got wrong. And so while everyone was out at recess, Tom went back into the classroom, found the stack of tests, found his test, his own test, and he erased his name from the top and put Frank. And then he went to Frank's test and erased Frank's test, or name, and put Tom. That's what Jesus has done for you. Jesus has, has tested out perfectly. And he has erased his own name and put your name at the top, giving you credit for that perfect score. That's what it means to be forgiven. That's what it means to be righteous with God. It, it does not mean that you come here, hear that your sins are forgiven, and God gives you a blank test to go out and try again. No. You have that status as an aced student under God because of Jesus. That is righteousness, and it's yours. Did you see how? Because it's given. It's a gift. And you receive it through faith. Not by something you do or don't do. You receive this gift through faith in Jesus. By believing, trusting that everything that Jesus did, His life, death, and resurrection is yours. And this righteousness with God is given to you. But wait a second. I'm listening to the podcast. I'm here for the first time. 
I don't know if this is for me or not. Uh, can I be sure? How do I know? Paul says, all who believe. But I haven't been to church in a long time. I, I've kind of wandered away and I, I'm coming back. Uh, don't I have to do something to, to get it? Paul says, all who believe. I did some pretty shameful things in college. Things that I'm not proud of. Very public sins. I, don't I have to make up for them? You are right with God to all who believe. I'm here every Sunday. I try to live the best Christian life that I can. Doesn't that count for something? No, it's a given through faith to all who believe. It is through faith that we receive this righteousness from God. And that small word, all, is so big because you can know that you're part of it then. You know this applies to you because it's for all who believe. Do you believe in Jesus as your Savior? If you shake your head yes, you are right with God. You are right with God. But it's that same all that trips us up, isn't it? Because if it's all, what about people who've lived a pretty bad life and now all of a sudden believe in Jesus? If it's all, what about the person that's hurt me and now has faith in Jesus? They just don't have to pay for their sins? They're just forgiven? Yes. And Paul tells us why. Romans chapter 3, 23. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Paul says it doesn't matter if you are a devout Christian in church every Sunday or if you are the, the most morally corrupt person who's ever lived. All have sinned. All have fell short of the glory of God. How many of you uh, have been to the Grand Canyon? Wow, almost everyone. That's incredible. I haven't. Uh, I want to go. I've heard it's beautiful. Uh, but the widest section of the Grand Canyon is 18 miles long. 18 miles wide. Now imagine standing there at the cliff and some random guy gets a running head start and jumps and makes it 50 feet. What is his destination? The bottom. Death, right? Now you're standing there and you say, well, I can do a lot better than that. And so you get a bigger running head start and you run and you jump 150 feet. What's your destination? The bottom. The bottom. Death. That's Paul's point here. You can be the most moral, or morally good person to ever live. You could be better than Mother Teresa. And you could run and you could jump 300 feet but it's not the 18 miles to get to God. You could be the most morally corrupt person ever and jump one foot. We all fall short, Paul says. We all fall short. And we all are justified, declared right with God, freely 
by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. We are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Do you know what the word redeem means? It means to buy back, right? To purchase back. Uh, we, human beings, were created to be one with God. And, and what have we done? We have sinned and we came under the control of sin, death, and the devil. And God said, no, I'm not happy with that. I'm going to purchase you back to be my own. And how did He purchase us? Through the blood of Jesus. That's what this is saying. You are declared right with God, freely, by His grace, through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. You want to talk about a God of love. This is how we see it. It is through Jesus, the God of love. But what about the people who hurt me? Does God not take sin seriously? Paul shows us just how serious God takes sin with the next verses. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance He had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate His righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. How do we see God's justice? God's justice is revealed through Jesus. Not only is His love revealed through Jesus, but His justice is revealed through Jesus. Now, we just read that whole section, and you might be sitting there thinking, well, I didn't see it. How do we see God's justice there? It really has everything to do with this phrase. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. In order to understand that, we have to understand the Jewish culture and the Jewish religious practices. We have to understand Leviticus chapter 16. 1500 BC, the Israelites, the Jewish people, left Egypt and they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And in that 40 years, God said, I want you to be able to worship. I want you to be able to come to me. I want to dwell with you. Let's set up a tabernacle, which was a big tent. Uh, here's a picture of it. It's kind of blurry. Uh, but you can kind of get the idea. This was a tent, the tabernacle. They did their sacrifices out here. Uh, and then in here, behind this curtain, right here, it would be closed. This is what's called the most holy place, the holy of holies. What was in there? The Ark of the Covenant. Inside the Ark of the Covenant, the Ten Commandments that condemns people. And God said, this is the room right here where I dwell. This is where I dwell among you. And God said, if you, if you want to come into this room, if you want to come into my presence, you've got to do it on my terms, not your terms. And God was so serious about this that Aaron, the high priest, his two sons tried to go in that room, not on God's timetable, not on God's terms, and they instantly were struck dead. You want to talk about being serious over sin? God shows it. God said, you can only come into this room, you can only come into my presence one time of year. And what day was it? Do you remember? The day of atonement. The day of atonement. And what would the high priest do? He would stand out here, he would take an animal, he confess all of the sins of the people over the head of this animal. 
And then he would take a knife and slit his throat. And that animal would die because of sin. Do you think that God's seriousness over sin was lost on the Israelites? For those of you who have pets, imagine if God demanded that of you, that you confess your sins over your pet and then killed it because it was either you or this animal. And then what the high priest did was he would take a bowl full of the blood of that animal that was sacrificed. He would go behind the curtain and he would sprinkle the blood on top of the Ark of the Covenant, on top of the commandments that condemned the people. You talk about justice. You talk about seriousness over sin. They knew it. They saw it. They experienced it. And now God says, God presented Christ as the sacrifice for atonement. God didn't present an animal to pay for sin. He presented His one and only Son. And He confessed all of the sins of everyone, of all time, on top of His Son, and then sacrificed Him because of sin. That's how serious God is over sin. It's either us or something or someone else. And Jesus took that place. And what did His death do? It was a sacrifice of atonement. It made peace with God. Our sins forgiven. That's what this sacrifice did. You talk about seriousness over sin. We see it in Jesus. God's justice is revealed through Jesus. And yet, isn't that what we see as justice? Don't we also see it as love? God sacrifices His one and only Son. Why? So that we're free of charge. That is love. You see, it's in Jesus that our main point is today, and we see, because of Jesus, God is nothing but uh, God is loving and just. Cut out that nothing. Sorry about that. Because of Jesus, God is loving and just. It's only because of Jesus that God can both be a loving God and a just God. And to be honest with you, it's only because of Jesus that we can love and respect God. Because God doesn't let sin go unpunished. He doesn't just overlook sin. He pays for it. And so what does this mean for you and me? What's the application in our life? I've got three of you as we close up today. Number one, how is all of this received? It's through faith in Jesus, right? So if somebody has hurt you, if somebody has hurt you or wronged you and they don't have faith in Jesus, you don't have to take vengeance. God is going to defend you. God is going to get justice for you. It might not be today. It might not be tomorrow. But at the end of time, when that person stands before God, justice will reign. Number two, if somebody has wronged you and hurt you and now they have faith in Jesus as their Savior, Know that true faith in Jesus as, as your Savior brings about repentance. Sorry, sorrowful over our sin. And so they, they've repented for their sin. And God was serious about their sin. So serious that Jesus died for it. And so look to God for strength. Look to God for comfort. Look to God for help in forgiving that person.
And then number three, when we deal with guilt, when we deal with shame, when we stand before God and we know all of our sins, know that God's forgiven you. That you are right with Him, not because of anything that you've done, but because of Jesus. And it's in Him that we see love and justice meet. And it's in Jesus that grace wins. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we praise and thank you that uh, through you we see God's love and we see His justice. We thank you for taking all of our punishment for sin. We thank you for being that sacrifice of atonement. Uh, we thank you that through you we receive righteousness with God and that it's completely a free gift. We ask that you help us to. Uh, we ask that you strengthen our faith by sending the Holy Spirit into our hearts, that we may grow in our trust in you every single day. We ask this all in your name. Amen.